Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. I am already on the Zoom call with Matthew and our super amazing special guest, Sarah French. She's here this whole time. Thank you for having me. Hi. We are so thrilled to have you back. Matthew, at one point, we were like, well, who do we need to bring back for guests? We're in the final season now. We we have only a finite number of episodes. There was a time <laughs> it seemed infinite. But it's like, who do we want? And Matthew was like, who is that girl that I kept calling the wrong name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right on brand. <laughs> And I said, I know exactly who you mean, and I want her back, too. That's Sarah. I believe I said, who was that delightfully funny, hilarious, sweet, charming girl that I that I that called I by the wrong name? name. <laughs> okay, I will give you that. Irregardless of what actually was said, we are thrilled to have you back, Sarah, and we are thrilled to have you as part of this gem of an episode. My goodness. Uh-huh. So yes. many layers. Mm-hmm. It's it's <laughs> quite an onion, isn't it? It is. I loved this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I did too. I did too. And uh let's let's get to it. Season nine, episode five, called Sweet Charity. The minute you walked in the <laughs> joint. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> which had an original air date of November 7th, 1987. Have you ever done Sweet Charity, Sarah? Were you in the chorus? I have. That's true, I was. I was a, a hot box girl. Did you do the one at the JCC? No, I was at uh, the Ice House. Ooh, okay. You were a hot box girl. Yeah, and I was, uh, who's the the Italian guy that Charity's trying to hook up with? And then he's with his girlfriend. I, it, it made oh. a big impact on me, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I played the the girlfriend who he stays okay. with. Oh, okay. I thought you would play the Italian guy. And no. I thought, well, that's a stretch. Good for Ice House. <laughs> exactly. They took some <laughs> risks. <laughs> wow. The episode was written by Phil Doran and Douglas Arango who are writing partners. Both of them came on board as supervising producers last season, and they will continue on through the end of the series. And as writers, this is the fourth episode of five that they uh, have written for the show. Previously, they wrote The Little Chill, where the girls uh, from season one all came back, and we were reminded why they were cut from the show (laughs) after the first season. Um, There was Where's Papa, a wonderful episode where uh, Blair has to deal with a scandal with her dad and his some insider trading and all that. And Mr. Dorn and Mr. Arangel also wrote one of our mostest favoritest of episodes called 62 Pickup, which was a flashback episode to when their house was a boarding house in 1962 for young bohemian artists, including Fabian and Bobby Rydell. Mm. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. 
It's it's literally it is wackadoodle bat shit, and it's one of our favorites. It is so awesome. It's a really good premise. <laughs> Who who hasn't lived in a house that was once a 1962 bohemian hipster? Yeah, uh, with some poetry, some beat poetry, and yes, get some so special true. guest stars, and <laughs> yes. But David, you forgot they mistakenly thought that they were living in that house. Turns out at the end of the episode, spoiler <laughs> alert, it's the house next door. House what? Them. Oh. <laughs> What? <laughs> what a wacky denouement! Life, bef- <laughs> life before Google Maps, kids. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And the episode was directed by John Boab, who is the in-house director. He's directed most of them and will direct most of them through the end of the series. And uh, yeah. Sarah French, this is the time during the show when we like to put our guest on the spot. Okay. And ask you to provide a one to two sentence TV guide synopsis of the entire episode. And again, I warn you, if it is too long, Matthew will judge you. That that seems fair. Great. Okay. Um, On this very special episode of Facts of Life, we explore themes of privacy, consent, Class and sweet charity. Booyah! Mm-hmm. I think that might be the most perfect one in all nine seasons, Cheryl. <laughs> I loved it. Hey, it's- thank you. It's, it's Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Mm-hmm. That, wow. Because that, much like a lot of the writing in this episode, it covered a lot of ground and yet it said absolutely nothing. Yeah, no no real point of view, but boy, a lot of questions. <laughs> yet it was it was poetical, it was dramatical, it was comical. I mean, it, it, wow. Yeah. We this is why we have you back, dear. <laughs> All right. Uh anything to add to that, Matthew? No, I I honestly I can't. So okay. bra- brava. All right. Thank when, you. When I, don't, I even love the fact that it was so short and succinct and you still got in in this very special episode. <laughs> that, made, that made my heart happy. <laughs> it feels uh, like they're covering big themes in this, our last season. They got a lot <laughs> going wow. out hard. And, and the funny thing is, I'm not sure I saw any of that, of the grandiose intent in some of this, but, <laughs> but, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right. Rather than go through microscopically from minute one to minute 30, let's just start to, let's start throwing some stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. What do you want to talk about kids? Oof. Allow me to bring this up, David, because Sharon's not going to know this because you weren't listening. You probably didn't listen to last week's episode where we were all very concerned about Andy calling a girl. Force him onto that phone. Make him call this girl. But last week it was Patty and they were forcing him and they were like, get up there. Grow a pair, asshole. You're 14. Go call that girl. And this episode, suddenly, we don't want him talking to girls. He went too far. He went too far. He went too <laughs> far. Yeah, it's like, well, we didn't we didn't mean like, like, talk to them and date yeah, them and do like stuff them. with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Mackenzie Aston wasn't at the at the table. And again, this is they're filmed out of order. So I don't know if it was the last week that they filmed that episode. I don't think it was. It was not. Where... No, this is a few weeks later, like okay. two or three. 
Okay, so nobody like Mackenzie wasn't at the writer's table being like, uh, last week they didn't want me talking to girls at all. Or last week they were, oh my God. <laughs> girl girl drinks a root beer right before I come on a podcast. <laughs> Call back to the Elder Barge episode. Um, but here's the thing. Like, no, it just fascinated me how far they went, like from him them forcing him to talk to a woman, him being scared to like, he's going to go over and have sex with this girl. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's take this and, and run with it so we can deal with, this is the B plot of the episode. Let's, we, we often do this. We're just like, let's just get this out of the fucking way. <laughs> shall we? But yeah, Andy has this girl calling him and pursuing him quite vigorously. Mm-hmm. And then Beverly Ann discovers a note from the girl to Andy, it sounds pretty innocent. And she says she was, uh, she found it in his bureau drawer when she was putting away his underwear. And, um, uh, okay. So, and she, and she read it. So let's do a little, um, ethical, let's Mm -hmm. do a little ethics check. Do you think she should have read it or do you think she should not have read it? Here's where I land on this because the moment little like when um when Tootie mentioned it and he was like she read it to you too like I my heart broke for him a little bit like I thought that was a bridge too far I think that you know look I don't have children but if I were folding their underwear and happened upon a note might I take a look I probably I would but would I then run downstairs and read it to everybody else in the house I uh, don't think so. That part. Yeah. That yep. part. <laughs> yep. That's that's what I was thinking too. It's when, uh, what did he say? What did she do? Call a press conference? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But um, the whole thing of Andy saying, uh, uh, you don't trust me, so I don't trust you because you read my thing. Uh, I'm I'm not sure I because you know I am what is called an elderly person (laughs) I'm I'm really of the of the school of you're a fucking kid you're in my house you have no powers here you will have power someday I can promise you that but not now uh what do you think Matthew well David uh, once again wrong again David here's the thing (laughs) I think I can appreciate his response because he's 14. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't appreciate that response when Tootie, a 20 year old is like, Oh, or nothing. I'm an actor. I got a bad review and I'm not anymore. I've given up the business. Mm -hmm. So I can appreciate more from him because at 14 that, that, like you don't want your mom reading the stuff you talk about with your school friends and all that stuff, you know, you just when this want chick is trying to arrange a night, you can come over and fuck her. I mean, right. ooh, you, you wouldn't want your you wouldn't want your mom reading that. But now, right. as an old person, I'm like, oh yeah, I would have read that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he wanted her to read it. Absolutely not. No, no, no. The the the, the no, writing, but his his feeling of trust being taken away, like that. I mean, that's a you know. That, thought, that rang true to me, right? Like, sure. again, the rationale yeah. of a 14 year old, like, right? Like, you right. don't trust me. So now I'm not, you know, I don't trust you. Like, that, that's 
I mean, I, I can understand how a kiddo would think that, yes. um, you know, whether, it, you know, whether it, it holds water or it's going to be a rule of the house. That's okay. a little trickier. I also, I felt funny about uh, 2D's conversation with him about like when she was like two words for you grow up. I, I was like, Hey, yeah, like, of all people to have yeah. that conversation. <laughs> no. Um. But yeah, and and also it's like there was almost like a guilt trip on him. Like she adopted you. Like right. uh, oh, like you can't get mm. mad at her for anything. Yeah. Like David, as someone who like Mackenzie Aston was mm. adopted by Beverly Ann, like yeah. that seems like that seemed like you don't no, that's that's off the table now. She's my mom. Don't bring up the like well, you should be grateful she adopted you. You had nobody, you loser. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> well, yeah, this is this was cut in syndication, Sarah. So this dialogue may not be familiar to you. Uh, mm. But uh, she does say to him something like, do you realize how lucky you are to have someone like Beverly Ann in your corner? Mm -hmm. The line is something to that effect. I didn't take it to mean, look, you little shit. She, you know, she could have <laughs> left you in the street, fucker. I didn't take it to be that harsh. I just thought it was one of those like, Beverly Ann is a nice person to a fault. And she's, you know, can you understand that she's a parent and she's worried about you? Dude, you're mad sure. at her for being a mom. And she's your, honestly, it's like, this is part of having a mom is she's yeah. going to worry about you. Yeah. And so I, I didn't take it that, I didn't want, I know Matthew often says, take a fucking seat, Tootie. <laughs> And I didn't feel that completely. That's, I think, you know, it's interesting, right? And if, if I were writing the episode, I think there is like a, there was a, a, a little bit of reason sort of <laughs> removed from the dialogue in that, right? Like there's a big difference between like, hey, you're, this is your mom. She cares about you. Like no one no one was saying explicitly like, hey, it's kind of weird that you're 14 and this girl is inviting you over. I have that all in my by notes. yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like she's like, ooh, like stay after and we can kiss for the first time, which would probably, you know, then it would be like, okay, I think everybody's really blowing this out of proportion. But the adults being concerned about him makes total, like that's yes. actually really responsible. But I feel like no one was having the conversation. And then to also think like, on the previous episode, he'd never called a girl before. And now all of a sudden, it's like he's yeah. going to spend the night with a girl. Like, I, I have in my notes, like, uh, to they're missing the conversation that, Andy, you're 14. Right. Yeah. yeah we're worried about you. Yeah. Not and a prepubescent yeah. 14. Your yeah. voice has not changed yet. Yeah. You are still tight. You're still the size of a child. Mm -hmm. What girl is trying to arrange and an over? Apparently, this note got pretty explicit. They didn't go on with it. But mm -hmm. um, but whatever's in the note, it's just it's like, dude, you want me to drive the two of you to the mall so you can walk around and hold hands? You want a little time alone in the living room with the TV and you can kiss a little? I'm totally do it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But staying at 14 yeah an overnight being planned it's like yeah. it's like the writers were like what happened to me this weekend right and they just applied it to their 14 year old <laughs> character like no y'all so 
That brings up an important question I have to know. Sarah, we may need your input as a heterosexual. Okay, let me try. When Beverly Ann first comes in talking about this note, she says, Mm -hmm. and I'm quoting the episode now, this is awful. You can't imagine what I found in Andy's bureau drawer. And Tootie goes, "Uh uh-oh. And Beverly Ann goes, not that. that. Mm -hmm. And then Natalie goes, not, and like deeper shock. Yeah. And Beverly Ann is like, not that either. I found this letter. I am I am not being ironic when I say I have no idea what I two things. I, I can either. think of one thing. I cannot think of two things that a What's young- What's your w- one thing? Drugs? Uh, no, Playboy. Oh, magazine. okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Got it, got it. And again, as a gay man, and again, as adults, a, a bureau drawer, maybe, you know what? It's a, It does say bureau drawer. I'm thinking nightstand, nightstand drawer. That's, ooh, that's here be dragons. You don't go yeah. looking in there mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. what you're going to find. That's where you do find the lube and the poppers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and other things I, but, I have read about. But, but there, there's your two things, David, porn and drugs. Oh, drugs. Oh, see, it didn't even occur That's to what me. I, that was my first thought was like, oh, no, I, I don't know. But what was strange is that it felt, and maybe I'm misremembering, but it sort of felt like there was a laugh track on each, not that. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, yeah. what are you all laughing at? What happened? Yeah, just the fact that, oh, we're bringing up subjects that are making everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> but I mean, like, okay, so a playboy or porn but then you also have a letter where a child is asking it i mean like the implication here is stay the night right not let's just kiss a little is that like i don't i think i'd be more concerned about that than a porn magazine or something Uh, exactly i I think this is way worse (laughs) what i would love to know like what 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 was the like the end of that, both of those sentences. Yeah, what like, they what the, the writers, writers were like thinking. What, Maybe yeah, they were what thinking direction pot. Did she get? Maybe they were thinking, pot, yeah, right. pot or or booze or thing. Mm-hmm. It didn't even. It's so funny. She said the the word is bureau, and I watched it, and I heard the words in my ear holes, and yet where my brain went was nightstand. So yeah, okay, uh, that is that is different, but you know, still, you know, I found under his bed. I found in the back of his closet. Yeah. It didn't even occur to me because again, Andy's not, he's not a rebellious kid. He's not a, you know, he's, he's a sweet kid. There's never been. Well, and uh, there's only so many things that could be found in a bureau drawer, right? That would be like a, a, a universal enough for a, not that joke to play that yeah. it's baffling. <laughs> they all seem to know what they were talking about. None of us did. Uh, yeah. Four dildos and they all belong to you girls. What? What? <laughs> what? Not that. No. But yeah. Who owns the black one? Yeah. <laughs> I got I got drugs and porn because mm-hmm. like drugs, no, not that. And then she goes, not? And then that was the porn. Like every 14-year-old yeah. has a girly magazine in their in their Right, right. Oh, David, did you get Beverly Ann being her most Beverly Ann at the beginning of the episode? You mean serving the bread with all (laughs) of the nutrients and grains and fiber and roughage and bullshit? 
even before that, when she's on the phone, when I was a girl, a girl did not call a boy in which she was interested. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Yeah. We talk about Sarah, the fussy language of Beverly Ann. Right. I, I imagine that that's just Cloris Leachman, that the script supervisor is like, um, actually, Cloris, the line is, uh, and she's like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> In which a young lady telephones <laughs> the establishment. Matthew has speculated how many times were the words, uh, how many Oscars do you have? Mm. Was oh, said God. on the set. I, I hope limitless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many Oscars and uh, multiple Emmys do you have on your shelf? I'm just how going many... through this script. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she held the record for the most Emmys, I believe, for a while. Yeah. For... So she has eight yes. Emmys, for Christ's sake. That's mm-hmm. right. I think she's, doesn't she still? Um, I don't know. She might, but mm-hmm. maybe, possibly. I but, like the idea um, for letting them know, though. <laughs> yeah, the fussiness. And by the way, that line was cut from the syndicated version, so I don't think Sarah, you got to see that. Um, but when when she was waiting for Andy to go pick up the extension, she says, "Yes." In in reference to the this girl has been calling a lot. This girl wants Andy's little D. Sure. So freaking much. Yeah. She's been harassing him. And she's like, yeah, in my day, a girl didn't come. But the funny punchline of her going, yes, we had phones back then. (laughs) It's like, ooh, I like this Debbie girl. She's sassy. (laughs) She's a whore. But she's sassy. She's a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, look, she's coming from a troubled home, it sounds like. But she's still (laughs) a lot of fun. <laughs> I want to make this a two-parter where we I just want to keep talking about this. I don't even want to get to the Joe, the actual A story. This is so much oh, more no. interesting. Oh, bless. Oh Lord. You'll be happy to know I have very few notes about the actual episode because it was just a delight. Because you liked it that much, did you? Well. I stopped taking notes when Paul Provenza's bold showed up on the screen, David. Holy merd. Oh, Lord yes. Lord have mercy. Oh, I, I, I spent the rest of the episode <laughs> hoping to get a glimpse. <laughs> Pausing I... and, and rewinding. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> oh, ha. The next Ooh. time we talk to Diana Eden, the customer, we're going to have to ask, so what was that about, huh? Did, did anybody, oh. I mean... You know, granted, we're we're perverts and we're looking there. Did did no one say is he what is happening with that? Did you notice Sarah? Oh, I noticed. Yeah, okay. I did. Just making I, sure. I think that that was intentional. <laughs> it was a little a little something for all of us. Oof. <laughs> I mean, and I have to say, like at the age when I watched this originally, I might not have found Paul Provenza to be very attractive at the time, but. Oof, girl, he could get it <laughs> watching him now. Oh, I would have been following him around that community center like nobody's business. You want me to wash your car? Yes, sir. Yes. Oh. Do your boots need to be spit shined? Then I'm going to throw mud on it again so I can wash it again. Oh. Well, let's get to it. Let's talk about Paul Provenza. Now, Sarah, we did not know this, and there really isn't any uh, public record that I can find other than our friend Ken Reed, who is essentially a TV historian and has the TV Guidance Counselor podcast. But as a stand-up comic, he has 
met and knows Paul Provenza. Paul Provenza was the warm-up comic that would come out and get the audience all jazzed up before the tapings for several years before they went, we like him well enough. Let's give him a, um, let's give him a role. Yeah. Paul Provenza in this role as, as Casey, Casey Clark, uh, he is about to turn 30 at the time of this taping. Later, he would go on to be on 26 episodes of Empty Nest as Patrick Arcola. I have no idea who that is. From 92 to 93, he was on 15 episodes of Northern Exposure. But primarily, first and foremost, he is a stand-up comic. And probably the greatest achievement as a stand-up comic is that he and Penn Jillette co-directed the 2005 film, The Aristocrats. What? And he's even credited as a sometimes cameraman. So they were just going around with, you know, their little makeshift equipment and uh, filming people talking about it. And I did check Aristocrats is on freebie right now. So it does have commercials, but uh, I'm like, I think I want to throw that on at some point. Just have it going in the background. Uh, Very fun movie about the dirtiest joke in history. It's so good. Very fun. But I first was introduced to Paul Provenza back in 1991 when Comedy Central had just happened mm. from the merger of the Comedy Channel and Ha. So Comedy Central was brand spanking new and they were just trying to create content and his bits were all over it in the little clip shows. Mm-hmm. And um, he also had a show of his own called Comics Only where he was the host and he was a delightful host and it was a fun show, you know, stand up comic interviewing other comics. And uh, yeah. So, but uh, more than anything uh, impressive with, I think his performance is delightful little couple issues in the writing Mm -hmm. that dictated an attitude that I'm not sure I quite like. Yeah. 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 But uh, in general, he and his bulge, I think are a nice addition to the show. And he's going to go on to be in, I think, four more episodes. And uh, did you gather, Sarah, that this was going to be a possible love interest situation with Joe? Oh, with Joe. Shoot. I was hoping for Blair. Guess what? It does happen. He and Blair. The sparks. Yes. But they're barely on screen together. It doesn't matter. It was electric. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think it's like when she's like the window treatments. I don't know. Like, I mean, I know that's a classic Blairism, but I felt like they were playing house. I'm like, wow, tangible. Okay, that's just heterosexual. My expertise. So I'm clearly I'm glad it was valuable. I looked at this <laughs> as the oh well, they're always at each other's throats and they're clashing. And I did like the fact that because Joe showed up at this. Uh, shelter's door dressed for a job interview that he immediately assumes her to be some materialistic young fluent yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. he calls her what does he say you want to make lunch reservations at Shea Yuppie I think he says to her (laughs) and we all know oh my god you want to fucking insult Joe Polnicek right you call her you know a rich career-minded money a uh, focused person that is the first and easiest way to piss her off. Yeah. So I I thought that that was what that was going to be, and then they pulled a switcheroo later with Blair. Um, but, but isn't I, it? I felt like that was missed in this episode here. 
this episode had a chance to really play up that Joe, how much Joe has changed mm -hmm. to the point where she's not even recognizable to what would have been, quote unquote, her people back in the Eastland days, the mm -hmm. poor, the the downtrodden. And the it was almost, masses, yeah. It was almost like Eliza Doolittle when she goes back to the flower girls and they don't recognize her. Mm -hmm. Like there could have been a little bit of like that conversation with Blair and that that kind of character development I would have liked to have seen her realize how much she's changed. But then the fact that that Blair ends up with basically the male Joe Polnicek, let's be honest. True. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, of course they're going to fall in love because she, he's, he's Joe with a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and quite one as well. <laughs> they made that quite clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he fills out his genes more than Joe does. Yeah. Ugh. So, um, uh, let's talk about a couple other actors in this while we've just been talking about Paul Provenza. I do want to point out the young boy, Todd, who is there kind of cleaning up uh, oh, yeah. the 12 year old. And uh, it, it's interesting because Joe gets after Casey for making him clean up and wash his car and stuff like that. And, he, and she's like, what the fuck are you, you dictatorial asshole, making this kid do your bidding? And he's like, uh, yeah, he's a hoodlum. He's the one that dirtied the car. You don't know what you're talking about, which was nice to have Joe have to backpedal on that. Right. But Bumper Robinson is the name of the kid who plays Todd. He was All born right. Larry C. Robinson, but apparently everybody calls him Bumper. He has 165 credits in a 39-year career. I was like, wait, what? He's not even 50 years old. Here's the deal. He started as a child actor, but then he moved into doing voiceover work. Mm -hmm. So he does a ton of animated series and video games. And according to Wikipedia, he is known for his roles as Bumblebee, which is the title character but of something called is that Bumblebee. The Transformers? Probably. And Blitzwig on Transformers Animated. So I think those might be two, yeah, two characters okay. on that. Uh, Falcon on Adventures Assemble. And in fact, he does the voice of the Falcon anywhere that Anthony Mackie is not in person playing the role. It's like any video game, any animated series. Bumper Robinson is the voice of the of the Falcon and um, future Captain America, we think. And uh, he also is the voice of Cyborg in Justice League Doom. So he is double dipping in both the DC and the Marvel universes. And uh, just, I mean, uh, incredible. Have a look at his IMDb. And I know yeah. people younger than me, probably y'all's age or even younger, um, will have a better connection to it because he has done so much and still is working and and who would think he started out here is just this <laughs> sweet little kid and the other person to talk about is the uh how shall i say the uh the, so, the property the woman that, right yeah the one that has all the property right the, yeah the woman dealing with mental illness let's say mm -hmm. uh the role of jackie and it's just showing how joe interacts well with the people even when they're clearly not playing with a full deck it's just right. kind of showing oh joe's good at her job and you know but this actress is l marie wendell and after this she would go on to be mrs dubcheck the landlord 
on 120 episodes of Third Rock from the Sun between 1996 and 2001. She is no longer with us. She passed away in 2018 at age 89. She was great. She She was awesome. Her line readings were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the long and short of the episode is Joe is going to a job interview and she takes Natalie's car. Well, Natalie's car, which we've not really discussed much before, but it's apparently a piece of shit. <laughs> and uh, so she takes it. The car breaks down and I'm gathering we're still in peak skill. I'm gathering she didn't get as far as uh, she said she had to drive all the way into White Plains. White Plains, New York is like half an hour it's like halfway between Peekskill and the city um but i gather that she didn't get that far and that we're still kind of local here did you gather that i i mean she was clearly because she was gonna have to she had to walk to take the bus like she like when she made the decision to try to get to her interview she still had quite a bit of traveling to do yeah there it is she had to take the bus to the interview and uh, because she it. got there yeah. too late, they had already right. hired someone else. But then she did talk about having to walk home. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I gather that this place probably is in Peekskill or very nearby. Yeah. And she um, broke a heel, even though she right. was wearing flats. <laughs> <laughs> because we know Nancy McKeon would not wear anything but flats. Does Natalie seem very unconcerned with getting her car back? Like if you somebody came to you and was like, was like, oh, your car broke down. It's now on the street in peak right. skill. And, and she's like, ah, OK, <laughs> she's just, she's just, like I'd be like, well, um, that would become a top priority of my day would be getting my, my yeah. car back and taken care of. But Nat, well, Nat I feel seems- like Joe comes in strong with like, here's my plan to go get it back. Blair's going to take me. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to bring yeah. it back. Yeah. She does. Okay. It's like yeah. there's one line of it, but knowing Natalie and how they could have, they could have had Natalie. Yeah. They could have built that thicker. a little bit. Right. Yeah. They, that, that would have been totally in character for her to be like, you know, anyway, but no, I, 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 I do agree. It's thankfully, like you said, she did have a plan. So Joe, when she uh, is at the center trying to call the place mm-hmm. to tell them she's going to be late for the initial interview. Paul Provenza is this asshole who's hogging the payphone, and so they already start having a little bit of fighting and sparring. And she's like, "I'm going to report you to somebody. Who's in charge here? It's him." Wah, yep. wah. <laughs> so anyway, when she has to go back to the center with Blair. Uh, Blair being her transport for her to fix the car. She fixes the car, but she sends Blair home. And then this is where Joe has the interaction with Casey, where he says, so you're still looking for a job? Well, maybe you might want to do something that helps somebody, you know? And that's when she's like, I will kill you. (laughs) But uh, I I mean, like, I understand that she had a need to use the phone, but I mean, he was there first. Like she was... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, in her place, she was a little entitled about the whole <laughs> the whole payphone situation. I think, but it, there's like, also she a... didn't know he worked there. She didn't know he worked there. She, he, for, as far as she knew, he's just somebody at that center in line to use the phone. And she's like, "Me first. I have an interview." Yeah, I don't know. And, and I think... he. And he's clearly got a situation going on. Like she doesn't know anything about it. We don't know anything about it, but 
I mean, he you're absolutely right, Chantel. It, he was at <laughs> he was at that phone first. And bitch, sorry, girl. I'm, sorry. It's going to take as long as it's going to take. That's right. That's right. It's like, had she been going into the bathroom and he was in there? Girl, what do you want me to do? Pull it out yeah. with my hands? I didn't put myself on hold. Exactly. I don't know how long I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. And cut from syndication, Sarah, the version you saw, there was a little bit more there. Okay, okay. He's like, do not put me on hold. And he gets somebody, yells at them, and he goes, and they hung up on me. And he hangs up the phone. At which point Joe's like, Great, give me. And he's okay, like, now my turn. Right. Mm-hmm. No. He's gonna call back. Yeah. Right. Did you see that? That was in the episode I watched. Yeah, the version oh, I watched. Okay. I thought that was cut from syndication, but um Anyhow, what is definitely cut from syndication is he says, look, what I'm doing is important. I'm calling the mayor's office. You can wait to make your lunch reservations at Shea Yuppie. That's, Uh, I think that was cut from syndication. He he makes some assumptions himself. Yeah, exactly. Was the the scene cut? Because I watched this scene several times. Um, (laughs) We'll just call it the bulge scene. Um, Was it cut from syndication? How much trouble Miss Martha Wash had closing the door behind them? Did y'all notice that? Oh, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> Wait, what? Sexter okay. walks in and she has some severe trouble closing that door behind her. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're going to look at this together. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Bless her heart. Her heart probably started beating. She's like, oh shit, oh, the God, door's oh, God, closing. Oh, God, I gotta get out of frame. Get out of frame. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, cl- I'm gonna ruin the okay, scene. Okay, okay. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my oh, God. No. That poor actress. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know how Nancy McKeon gets when she has to do two takes. That's right. Oh. <laughs> she hates it. Oh. Why is Tootie wearing a Penn State jersey? Just is that where Jeff goes now oh. that he's now, now that he's a genius? Yeah, now that he learned how to read miraculously, her boyfriend <laughs> Jeff, who was illiterate when we first met him. Yeah. Um that that sounds right. It's not important, David. I just noticed she was wearing a Penn State jersey you know one of the few times she's not lounging around everybody's not lounging around in a full business suit right yeah jesus christ full business suit and a hat often Uh, sarah with a lot of structure a lot of structure oh god Mm. the glamour yeah but let's talk a bit about the the fashion and all that uh joe's hair just continues to grow it is so yeah not a fantastic not a fair joke for her to say. It's only your hairspray allowance for a week. Who are you talking to? Yeah. It's I like, mean... really? Where, who, who are you, where are you throwing stones from your Aquanet house? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But Blair looks great in everything, uh, every outfit. She just she is so does. beautiful. Yeah. And she, she, she got she got my one out loud laugh the whole episode. When Joe goes, who is this Santa Claus? And Blair goes, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) It was just the delivery, the entrance. It was perfect. I laughed out loud. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So good. So no other notes because it was the perfect episode, David. uh, It was so good. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So after Joe accepts this job, in spite of the fact that Casey was kind of digging at her for being a little too materialistic and not wanting to help other people, uh, then she comes to work 
after the commercial and is like, so it's uh, Friday. Where's my paycheck? And he's like, well, sorry. Shit out of luck. Bye. Ooh, and uh... he, he does say, I'm sorry. I can't pay you. But there, there should have been a much more contrite continuation of attitude. He seems to recover from the fact that he is literally not paying an employee. He seems to recover very, very quickly from that and not give a shit. And uh, if I were Joe, I would have kicked him in his bulge. But uh, what are your thoughts on oh, yeah. that whole situation? I mean, it was, though, like, you're exactly right. His sort of business as usual attitude about it, right? Like, he knew two days before, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, uh-oh, our funding, like, that, to be able to say, like, hey, I'm worried, you know, that on Friday I'm not going to be able to pay you. They could have had the exact same story where she's still going out and trying to figure out how to fund this without him being just like a, kind of almost like a, that's what you get. Like, you shouldn't be doing this for the money kind of attitude about it right like i don't know yeah. it was yeah it they missed i found myself a... thinking like he shouldn't be running this place yeah i felt like they could have given us a little bit more pathos for that character oh, if he man. seemed very upset like genuinely upset i can't Agreed. pay you this is what it's like yeah this we is, rely yeah. on mm -hmm. we rely i haven't slept for two days joe right because we're yeah. gonna lose this so yeah i'm sorry i can't pay you but mm -hmm. i just gotta keep plowing on you know right and like that would have made us love him a little yeah. bit more yeah, yeah. I agree. and it's thursday i'm warning you that at exactly. this point the bottom mm -hmm. has fallen out and i I had thought we were okay. And I can tell you right now, I'm not going to make the payroll tomorrow. And that's yeah. part of all the things that are that are upsetting to me. Fuck to the yes. We yeah. absolutely needed that for this character yeah. for us to really feel like he's walking his talk from an emotional place. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to go in our, um, our, what do they call it? like that the fresh prince of bel-air has the the new serious version called <laughs> bel-air we're gonna have we're gonna have eastland yeah um or we're gonna have peak skill or something yeah, peak, it should where, be peak skill yeah where, where mrs garrett is running a drug front out of mm -hmm. edna's edibles uh. and and where we can get a little more in-depth characterization out of Paul Provenza and and his layers because that's not something we're really gonna we're really gonna say 80s sitcoms um was their forte getting into mm -hmm. layers of, of characters mm -hmm. they they were kind of all archetypes so he's this archetype yeah and to add insult to injury when Joe was like well if you're not gonna pay me I'm fucking out of here right. which she is 100% justified. Yes. And yep. his response is, yeah, go ahead, go home, get a cushy job, and soon you'll forget that you ever did anything that really mattered. Well, what has she done that's mattered, David? Uh, <laughs> it, it's a good question. It's like, well, she's worked at this place for a week. Uh, that mattered she's apparently to that, him. Taking little bumper to the museum? Yeah, thank God. No, no, but thank God Joe has the retort where she's like, come on, Todd, let's go to the museum. And he's like, you're still taking me? And she says, of course. And looking right back at Paul, glaring daggers. When I make a promise, I'm good for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Joe. But yeah. your promise is to take a kid to the museum. It's not to house not, and clothe. Not a run bunch an of entire nonprofit. <laughs> so, I mean, so 
take a seat, Joe, for a yeah. second. And um, Tootie would say, grow up. Yeah. <laughs> take, take, get off your high horse, Missy. Yeah. Miss Yuppie. And yeah, so oh. no, no, David. No, you don't give Joe a pass for that. I give her a pass for that I, because I it's like you, you could have warned yeah. me yesterday. You could have warned me Wednesday that mm-hmm. the funds were running you a little bit low. not offered, you could have said, would you like to volunteer while you look for a job? I don't really have the funds to pay an employee right now. Yeah, clearly, because I have a 12-year-old kid doing everything. Right. A lot of options to be transparent. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, anyway. How about, Deb, we talked about um, Joe and Blair's conversation where Blair is like, you need people with money to go oh, do good things. Let's go there because that is actually what is next in the A story. Yes. We, we do have a little interruption of the Andy stories progression, beginning with him sitting on the couch pouting. You know, pouting. Like like an sex. adolescent who is ready for <laughs> sex. Yeah, thank you. But um yeah, so then when Joe comes back, she tells Blair uh what the situation is and then to her credit, Joe's like, hey, maybe you could spot them the 1500 bucks. He says he needs 1500 bucks just to make rent. And that's where she gets the line, that's your hairspray budget for a week. And uh, yeah, continue, Sarah. You you brought this up. I'm curious. What are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, first of all I need y'all's help. How, how rich is Blair? Girl. Very. Okay. <laughs> that is a question for the ages. Okay. Because Blair is a member of the, what, the Young Millionaires Club, Matthew, when she was at yeah. uh, college. She was <laughs> yeah. in the Millionaires Club. Her family has bought buildings and built theaters for both Eastland and Langley College. Uh, at one point, there was something that was going to cost them like 1000 or $1,500 a piece. And Blair was like, will you take cash? And starts reaching for her Just- purse. Great. And yet, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the Edna's edible season, when Mrs. Garrett was like, oh, I, you know, I have, I need help and you girls can live with me. And Blair got kicked out of the dorm. And it's like, why didn't Blair just buy a fucking Buy an apartment, house right? Exactly. That they all could live in. And, mm-hmm. and after Edna's edibles burnt down. Mm-hmm. Blair was like, well, I'm going to go off and stay at the Four Seasons. Peace out, bitches. That's right. It's well, like she knows real estate and she's not going to spend her, but she wants to make good investments. And yeah. So. <laughs> so Blair, what she does with her money, and we know there is a lot of it. $1,500 for a it's monthly hair allowance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just hairspray. So to answer your question, long story short, too late. Plenty. She's got plenty of money. Blair has a fuck ton of money. Okay. If not hers, available to her. Available to her. Okay. Yeah. It seemed, I mean, she, Joe was so uncomfortable asking for $10 and it seemed like she was a little more at ease asking for $1,500. Yeah. So I guess it, it's all relative. It's not for her at that point. And it is interesting that she brings up the whole thing about, you know, well, actually volunteering at the center is different than writing a check. That's the easy thing to do. Mm. And that's kind of like, it's a cop out. And Blair beautifully says, I will have you know, I attended five different fundraising galas last month alone. And I wore a different gown to each of them, which 
which honestly yeah. is a gift, frankly, because she looks great in everything. Goddamn so. right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's not doing that for her. She's doing that for all of us. Uh, I've got to credit the writing of this mm. where she says, uh, I thought I wrote it down where she says, yeah, it's that lesson, right? Joe, yeah. remember without people like me, people like you can't help people like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it comes up with like, yeah, you're, you're so high and mighty. You can't do anything for people yeah. like them. And Blair is like, uh, girl, don't Actually, forget rich yeah. people do fund a lot of this shit. It's mm-hmm. like, don't, d- this is not a black and white scenario. There's, there's a lot of gray <laughs> coming into play here. Mm-hmm. And then when basically in the Joe and Blair fashion where she's like, so are you asking me for a favor to write this $1,500 check? And Joe's like, nope, nope. I'm too proud. I'm from the street and you're rich. Bleh. I hate money. <laughs> I hate money. So Blair leaves the room. And then Andy does a quick pass through because the the culmination of this thing is that Andy and Beverly Ann forgive each other. And then she says, now let's have a talk about the birds and the bees and the Debbies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> as she puts it. It's like, so but he, if he doesn't know, what did he think was going to happen? Was he like, I, I thought yeah, we were going to watch a, the you... National Geographic channel. And... Right. Well, again, David, you've talked before about the dog chasing the truck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, once he catches it, what's he going to do with it? He don't know. Yeah, true. (laughs) For how horny a child Andy is. He was just so happy to be invited. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know the feeling. (laughs) (laughs) So Blair goes upstairs and uh, when she comes back down, Joe is like, okay, this is stupid. Yes. You've got the money. We need it. I am asking you for this favor. And Blair hands her a check. Yeah. And Joe looks at it and she says, you've already filled it out. Meaning Blair had already made up her mind that she was going to do this without Joe asking her. And I was like, oh, it was really nice. And that's when Joe says officially, thank you. And Blair says, I'm so gracious. <laughs> that's a very Matthew line. Damn it. As well as a very Blair line. Yeah. Yep. It's true. Oh, we have to stop. Pause here. Pause one moment. This week and last week, twice now, we have seen Joe come down the stairs or go up the stairs and go into the wrong bedroom. Oh, no. That landing, that first landing before the stairs turn completely, you know, uh, parallel to the audience, that bedroom to the left That is Mrs. Garrett's slash Beverly Ann's bedroom. The girls, all four of them, even with Tootie and Natalie having made a separate little bedroom within the bedroom, the up upstairs, all the way to the top, that is where the girl's bedroom is. Mm -mm. And both last week and this week, Joe just comes trot, trot, trot. It's like, what do you do? You take a nap on Beverly Ann's bed? What the fuck are you doing? And that's the kind of shit. When you've got one director, those kinds of things shouldn't be happening. John Boab. Yeah, what are you doing? I am <laughs> wagging my finger at you. <laughs> wagging my finger. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you? Shanice, if these are the kind of details that don't make you want to go back and watch every episode. <laughs> mm, a lot has changed since you've uh, been gone my dear (laughs) oh my goodness 
<laughs> so yes, then we go back to the center where Blair gives Casey the check and he's very casual about it. And she's like, uh, hello, I just got you out of the hole that you said you were in. And he's like, it's what it doesn't matter. Some big foundation made us a very generous donation, paid off our entire mortgage and then some. Some big foundation. We do know that there is the Warner Foundation. Blair has mentioned it multiple times, Sarah. Um, <laughs> and I believe it's the Warner Textile Foundation, and we have called it WTF. Perfect. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then Casey says, you know, will you come back now that we know I can pay you? And she's like, yes. And they do have a little, you know, apology accepted. Yeah. Apology. Like they, neither of them apologizes, but the other ones is, you know, so, like they're so shitty to each other. Why do they care so much about helping others? Like, what? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> but then when Joe says, so who is this Santa Claus anyway? The best line of the episode. Uh, Blair coming down. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That's it's true. <laughs> it's true. Blair says, this is just, I simply thought it over. And buying commercial property in depressed areas is a sound investment. That's all. And Joe's like, so it was a good business deal. And she's like, well, that and... How could I pass up the chance to be your boss? Oh, come on. Ah. And um, I would watch a spinoff about oh Blair as my Joe's God. boss. And the slumlord who bosses <laughs> Joe around? Yes. yes. <laughs> this is the, is the backdoor pilot that, in my opinion, had the most legs. Mm -hmm. I would give it to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that is even knowing the backdoor pilot that is coming up with um, the apartment in New York. Yeah. With, with John Natalie. Stamos and everybody. Matthew, you've been saying that we need to count every single episode of season nine as a potential backdoor pilot. Fuck, if this isn't one, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. And and I love it too. It's great. The chance like the Bob Newhart show was fun because you had that never ending revolving door of crazy people mm -hmm. coming yeah. in. That's what the said we and, and there's nothing more fun to make fun of than homeless people and the mentally ill. Than the marginalized, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you can go for decades on that. I mean, <laughs> I laugh at them out on the street in my uh, everyday life already so much. It would be great to see them on my TV and not have to smell them. Oh, gosh. I laugh at people in wheelchairs because they say laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> That's nice. I'm That's very nice. gracious. You're so gracious. <laughs> okay. So. That other uh, backdoor pilot, Sarah, that we talked about, it was called Big Apple Blues, mm -hmm. which sounds like a good funky title for a possible other show. So we can't call a show Sweet Charity. That's the name of a great Bob Fosse Broadway musical. It's already been taken. Yeah. So what do you think would be a good title for the spinoff series that we are imagining that mm -hmm. this could mm -hmm. be? And I think we need to do this every week is what is the spinoff? What is the title of the spinoff? What's the series? title of the spinoff? Yeah. Yeah. What's the name of the city? Where, what's their town name? Um, Harper. No, Hudson Valley. 
Hudson Valley. Okay. Hudson, I think it's, this is the Hudson Valley Community Shelter. I'm, I, it's something like down and out in Hudson Valley or something like that. I can't, I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. That could work. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, since even though he calls it the community center, it does say community shelter on the door. I did just verify that. Mm. So I'm thinking a great title for this would be Gimme Shelter. Gimme Shelter. <laughs> hmm Yeah. Any any thoughts, Matthew? What would you call Matthew? the spin-off series? Well, I don't know if I don't know if like um like a pun about homelessness is a great sitcom mm-hmm. um title. <laughs> Stop. It's a tough sell. <laughs> Comedy gold in my book. But nothing funnier than this show about homelessness. <laughs> Give me shelter. <laughs> Come on. That's like calling a Helen Keller TV show, The Blind Leading the Blind. Like, it's, <laughs> like hear no evil, see no evil, for God's sake. <laughs> um, okay. So then what would you call this episode? I had no problem with calling it Sweet Charity. Mm. You think that? No, I had no problem with that. Hmm. Will Bob Fosse's people, will they get shut down? Bob Fosse. You're going to get a trademark lawsuit. Will they put out a hit on them and they'll come around and try to jazz hand them to death? Jazz hand you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Call it it Blair and Joe for all I care. I don't know. That's another whole sitcom, Fosse Hitmen. There's There's a whole other show going on right there, but... Yeah, we're thinking, is there like, you know, Three's Company became Three's a crowd? Yeah, I was trying to think of like a a play on facts of life, like the community of life or something like that. Mm -hmm. But like, that doesn't sound right either. I wouldn't buy a show called The Community of Life. Yeah, (laughs) the the shelter of life, the, yeah, the community. You go with your homeless puns again. Center. You know. Say, you won't you won't let shelter go david you really want them to well, remember that they're it, in it takes place in a shelter it's a workplace <laughs> comedy for fuck's sake Face it. <laughs> look um, in the mirror <laughs> <laughs> okay let's work with center then it's a community center Centers. we're gonna call but this shaniqua uh, remember he thought that joe was correct in demanding paul prevents to get off good the point phone, good so. point yeah, yeah. Loves- there's some elitist that yeah. david's working through yeah, yeah. um yeah. he well, works the- there he can make that call any fucking time he the can't because cis- he doesn't have a phone because they can't pay their bills yeah the cisgender white male in the yeah, room this oh, guy over here mr damn. entitlement take a <laughs> yeah. seat i know maybe off center <laughs> off center i like that yeah yep i love it i'm thinking okay then i i'll take back since i'm i'm currently going to get canceled if i put the word shelter in my title um, Just, that's it's my very proposed. gleeful you're very gleeful about their hard times <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I'm telling you, it's comedy gold. Never not yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, childrens. Well, we are at the end of the episode. Anything else we want to comment on? What'd you think, Sophie? Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I did. I liked it. I liked it. I think there were some missed opportunities for character development. Um, and some, you know just like we talked about, right? Like the, and again, I, I actually think there's something interesting about like our, um, you know, our shelter leader, you know, the, the head of the shelter, not being just a completely good hearted, like, you know, you can't like, you can't see that kind of hurt and 
not also kind of be like, this is how life is. And so there's, it makes sense to have that little guy be a little rough and tumble, but maybe not corrupt and dishonest. I think they would have <laughs> bridged too far on that one. Man. But, That's uh, fair. I give this episode for season nine, 10 out of 10. What? Perfect. You was, loved it. I loved it. I loved <laughs> meeting the new characters. I love the story arc. I think it's a great story arc, but we are five episodes in and we have yet to see over our heads the business that they all own. (laughs) Who is minding the store when Joe comes home and tells Blair and Natalie about her travels and travails of getting back from this job interview that didn't happen. Natalie walks in with a book and a fucking soda and then while the four of them are sitting around lounging in the middle of a work day, because Joe wouldn't have had a, a job interview on a weekend, in comes Beverly Ann with the shit about the note with Andy. It's like, who is watching the store? But they're all wearing their business suits, so it's appropriate that it's the middle of the week. Just sitting around and uh, I know, I know, Susan, that you sit around <laughs> your house mm-hmm. in your high heels, your earrings, your bra, your Full outfit, pantyhose, yes. and everything. Hat. Well, of course. Yeah, everything. Just, yeah, you yeah. know, when you're going to be comfy. It's true. It's just, <laughs> it, that's what makes me comfortable. It's just looking my best. So. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah, this has been a joy. I, we, this is a three-peat for you, right? This is your third it time. It is. This is my third time. Yes. Well, I cannot wait to see you again in person. We have actually seen each other in person mm-hmm. a couple of Very times yeah. uh, since, uh, since the, you know, the, the pandemic, which is completely over right now. Yeah. All so, finished. Um, <laughs> so that has been lovely to see you, but I love seeing you on my Zoom screen. I'll take you any way I can get you because I adore you, darling. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. This was so fun. Um, Matthew, just real quick, what's my name? Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Have I been calling you the wrong... <laughs> Stacy? <laughs> That's it. That's why, the one. <laughs> why did I get the wrong notes? Stacy, it's assistant... <laughs> Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm very self-absorbed. Oh. <laughs> but he is so gracious. Uh, so gracious. And you're such a delight. I'm addicted to your giggle. You, you've got such a great voice. You've got such a great, Thanks. you're just such a goddamn delight. Oh, mm-hmm. y'all, this is such a goddamn delay. Thank y'all for having me. So, Sarah, if you'll bear with us, we are going to talk us out of this episode. Next week, we're going to be watching season nine, episode six called Up From Down Under. And uh, you can watch the episode ahead of time, as always, at dailymotion.com. The link to that episode is in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. And with that, we leave you. We say thank you for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about Paul Provenza's bulge. Yes! That's right. That's right. Damn! (laughs) Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. 
And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.